0: Now we bow our heads. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank Thee tonight for the privilege that we have of assembling here in this great arena to worship Thee. And we ask that You will sanctify our efforts and may it be to the glory of God. May many be saved and healed in this place. And may it be such a memorial to many as they pass by here in the days to come if Jesus parries, may they be able to say, In that place God forgave my sins, or In that place God healed me. May it be a time of history, Lord, might be made for the Church of the living God. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we pray that you will all together gather us tonight under the wings of his abiding presence. As a hen gathers her chicks, may we be gathered this night. And may the Holy Spirit visit us with great power, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let be seated. It is such a privilege to speak to such a fine people, as we have met here in Oakland since we have been here. And I want to apologize. My wife told me the other night that I made a mistake, and I said, since I've been in Oklahoma. Well, I said, just about all you meet in California is either Okies or Arkies, so it went all right anyhow. (laughs) You know, when I first come to California, they said, everything you meet there will be either from Oklahoma or from Arkansas. And there's a whole lot of truth to it. I don't know whether it's this far up or not. This is out of the oil country. (laughs) And so tonight would be a good time to preach on the Second Coming of Christ after the earthquake shaking like it has today. But it's just a reminder that Jesus still lives and his word is still true. There will be earthquakes in diverse places, and he's still—his word is still just as forceful and just as true as it was when he said it. And tonight I had a great blessing when I came into my room, or just before entering my room one of my noble friends, a very fine brother, T.L. Osborne, his wife and little children met us in their car. Now our hearts were certainly happy, and I hope that they have introduced Brother Osborne, if he's here, uh, to platform. Very fine brother. You know, I see lots of times going into meetings— They have the big signs up, the man of the hour, the man with God's message. Well, those things are all right, but the thing I like about Brother T.L. Osborne is this. He doesn't take any big names, but he just goes and gets the job done. And that's the best thing, after all. I believe that Brother Osborne has done more in the mission fields for the kingdom of God than any man I know of on the face of the earth," is Brother T. L. Osborne. And if he hasn't been introduced, he will be, or I guess he's with us until the meeting is over, and I want him, he's a real preacher, and I want him to speak for us sometimes in the meeting. After I get to talk to him, it was early, and or late rather, and I, I just run in after getting my laundry, and uh, I'll get to talk to him maybe tomorrow. And. Get it fixed up so he can speak for us. And I'm sure you'll enjoy his message. And then, tomorrow morning is the Christian businessman's breakfast. Has that been announced? Yeah, been announced. All right. We'll be expecting the Christian businessman ministers and wives. I guess everybody's invited. If everybody is invited. Now, I only belong to one organization. That's the Christian businessman. I guess now the rest of them would have me, so they just tucked me in. They were kind of interdenomination. I once belonged to the Baptist Church and just gave up my fellow—not my fellowship—but just merely left the church because of praying for the sick. Not as I have anything against the church, a wonderful church, wonderful people, but to be free and to stand independent. I must be independent of all denominations and try to bring us together as brothers. That's, so therefore, when I come among the full gospel people, they accepted me, but I found out that they had just about as many breakups as the Baptists did, so with just another denomination. If I'm not mistaken, I believe I'm looking at my Canadian manager sitting here, Fred Softman. That you, Freddie? I, I thought it looked like you from way up in Saskatchewan, Canada, where the second meeting from this is back up into Canada again at Saskatchewan—Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So many S's in there for me, a southerner, to say. Now for tonight, and just for a little bit, we want to speak on the Word. And we're planning on, I believe, Billy gave out some prayer cards. And if he didn't, well, we won't, we'll do like we did last night. How many enjoyed the last evening's meeting? Just let the Holy Spirit move. And now we uh, we will see us, Billy Abean, after a while, he brought me over just a few minutes ago and I didn't get a chance to ask him. But now let us turn in the Bible to a very familiar scripture reading for our lesson tonight. And... If you will give it your undivided attention, and being with a bad throat overtaxed from speaking—I'm very hoarse, and I may not be able to make you understand me too well, but I hope that you will. In the um, seventeenth chapter of St. Matthew, I wish to read some of the Scriptures. And in here may be the Lord to give us the text for the evening. After and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And there was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as the light. And, behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And we're going to take that last three words for a text, hear ye him, and may our blessed Lord. Add his blessings to the word. Now, God never does nothing, just, just like we do. We are just kind of a haphazard people that just stroll along. Well, if this happens, it's all right, and if that happens, it's all right. But God has a real, definite meaning for everything that he does. And I believe, if we, as His servants, would obey Him, I believe the Bible said that the footstep of the righteous is ordered of the Lord. And we should not be just getting about from place to place. We should always go and consider the Lord before we go. Do you do that when you leave home? Pray, Lord help me to have a safe journey uh, over it where I am going and back, ordain my steps today that I'll not step out of your blessed path. But if I should make the wrong move, you'll warn me and bring me back into the right way again. If my tongue should start to speak things that was not right, will you just stop my tongue from speaking? Bring me back into the right place again? And if I should start to thinking wrong thoughts, will you just change my way of thinking? Let me think the right things? What you think is usually what you do. You know, if you'll do right, that's your duty to God. If you'll think right, that's your duty to yourself. And you've got to come out right. You can't be going east when you're going west. You can't be going wrong when you're going right or vice versa. Think right, do right, and you'll be right. And Christ, the mind of Christ is to be in the church. And the mind of God was in Christ. And how that the Spirit led Christ, so ought His Spirit lead the church. And all that God was, he poured into Christ, and all Christ was, he poured into the church. So, the church has the power that Christ had. Christ had the power that God had. He said, At that day you'll know that I am in the Father, the Father in me, I and you and you and me. You'll find out that God dwells in his church, in his people. The Lord willing, Sunday, I want to speak on that, or tomorrow night, how God dwells with his people. Now, we find that God does everything, or Christ, rather, every move that he made on earth had a meaning to it. Now, God meets in the circle of man sometimes in great numbers. It's one time he met with 500 brethren. Again, he met with, with 12. Then he met sometime with three. And sometimes with just one. So it doesn't matter how great our numbers or how small our numbers, Christ has left us this word, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. What a beautiful promise to the believer. If we tonight could all together lay hold on that promise and realize that that is God's eternal promise. Just before coming to the meeting, I was reading in the book of Daniel, which I'm intending someday to take that as a complete revival, and I was noticing how that Daniel, read by books of the prophet Jeremiah, which was before him, how that seventy years they were to be in captivity. Well, in these seven years, his seen was just about up. And then he sought the law. And if the day that we're living in, when we see every sign moving, pointing towards the coming of the Lord, it ought to make every minister start fasting and praying and saying, God, what must I do next? For we are near the end time." It's time that we got down and realized we mustn't just lust along and loaf along as if we were the carefree, come easy, go easy. We should be a wide awake. And it seems like that such things as today, earthquakes shaking, even plaster and dropping from the walls and buildings, sending up great smoke or dust, screens up like mushrooms, and so forth, it ought to bring us to the realization that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And when we see the church of the living God indifferent and infatuated with the world and lost its love of Christ and has become so denominational-minded and barriers and so forth among us, it ought to be… Milestones to let us realize that we're at the end of the road. Noticing over in Jerusalem not long ago that six-point star of David, the oldest flag in the world, a-waving again for the first time for twenty-five hundred years, see the Jews returning and saying, Where is the Messiah? All these things are pointing to the end time. And we just simply here in America, instead of having our head in God's Bible studying it, we got our head in a television somewhere, finding out who loved Lucy or some kind of a silly thing like that and staying home from prayer meetings. And that's the condition that America has got into. Our church has become lukewarm Gone after fantastics and everlily motion, and keeping our head from the word of God. If there ever was a time that we are to be assembling ourselves together, the Bible said not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, and that much the more when we see the end time approaching. Oh, there should be every hall and every arena throughout the United States and world, rented by ministers and preaching the gospel and warning the people of the things to come. We are near the end, and how can we set still? wife, dear, said to me, he said, "'Billy, your throat is so raw you're preaching yourself to death.' Said, you preach so hard, I'm afraid you'll fall in a heart attack sometime. I said, I'd rather go in the harness from the platform preaching the gospel than any other way that I know of in the world. Just as close to glory from right here as it is anywhere. Preach the Word and be instant and ready and warning the people of the things to come. We notice that before any great event takes place, God always gives His warnings. And we find out in our Scripture lesson tonight, a great event was just about to take place. And Christ doesn't do things just to be clowning. We know that He was God. And a little woman believed it so much till she touched his garment and was healed. He was so full of the Spirit till he turned and recognized who she was and told her what she was healed of. And we find out also that a Roman soldier once put a cloth or rag over his eyes and hit him on the head and said, If thou be the Son of God, tell us who hit thee, you prophesier. Let us know who struck you on the head, you tell us. Making fun of him. He never felt any virtue because he approached in the wrong way. But we find here that Jesus taken Peter, James and John. Now I would like to look at that just a moment. What's them three people who are always with him in miracles. When he raised the daughter of Jerias, he took with him these three, Peter, James, John. It represents hope, faith, charity. Peter was faith, James, hope, John, charity, and he taken these three because it's written in their laws. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So they taken Peter, James, and John and went on his way up to what we call Mount Transfiguration. And then, when this great event was to take place, which was remembered long years after, Peter said when we were in the holy mount, Not that the mount was holy, it was the holy God that met them on the mount. Not the holy mountain, but the holy God. People today sometimes call the church, well, they believe in holiness. It isn't the holiness people, it's the holy God that dwells among the holy people. It isn't holy people. It's a holy God that they are representing on the earth. And we find when they got up to the mountain, and these three great gifts, hope, faith, and charity, almost cover the whole sphere of gifts, charity being the greatest, love. And while they went up to the mountain, then God sent down three from heaven to give witness in heaven. Some great event was just about to take place. And I believe tonight that one of the greatest events that the world has ever known is just about to take place. Look at the world in the condition that it's in. Some time ago, way down in Africa, I was reading a little story of how that watching a little lamb amongst the sheep raisers, the little fellow was out in a little place, uh, grass-eating, just as peaceful, watching him through binoculars. And as all of a sudden the little fellow began to become nervous. He of course he didn't know just why. So focusing the binoculars over to one side, way out in the great tall high grass, a great huge black mane lion that's with the air and it smelt the little fellow. Now the sheep cannot smell the lion. But the lion can smell the sheep." And he was creeping up real easy. And the little fellow got so nervous, he just began to run around in rings. Then, while thinking on this, I thought, look at the, our lovely land of America, represented in the Bible in Revelation 13, as the Lamb." And how that it has become so nervous. Everybody's in a hurry, they're honking their horns, turning the corners, speak a word to them, they're sharp and cut you off, and they go down the street paying fines for breaking speed limits just to get to a beer joint to drink a little while before they get home. What's the hurry? It used to be we had time to fellowship and to talk with each other. But now you haven't got time even to meet your neighbor. One doesn't know the other. Even the psychiatrists are breaking up and going to the insane institution. So many nervous, upset neurotics, I often wonder what does this, it's the same picture, it's the setting of a scene, judgment, just about to strike this nation, and not only this nation, but all the nations, and they are nervous. Their emotions, they cannot tell what makes them this way. The insane institutions are filled with psychopathic wards are running over, and they don't know what's causing it. It's the coming of the Lord! It's always darkest before day because it's the day pressing the dark together. And it's right now the darkest hour because it's before the breaking of the day. And a great drama is being set by the Word of God. The lambs are wandering, and there's a great enemy sneaking right up on us all the time. And what ought ministers to be doing but to warning the people and showing them of the signs of the time that we are now living, how that the Lord Jesus has come down among us. Showing signs, wonders, miracles, all kinds of things, and a great revival has swept the world over. And we just walk on as if we got three meals a day and drive a Cadillac. What difference does it make? Brother, it makes a lot of difference. You say, I belong to church. That's not the question. Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he will in no wise enter. Many are called, few are chosen. Be a chosen. Don't be a miserable halfway Christian. Come all the way to Christ. Be born again. And as God was setting this great drama, down from the heavens come Moses, down come Elijah, and there was Christ. Three heavenly witnesses, Peter, James, and John, three earthly witnesses. God was going to do something. And He was going to let it be known by the witnesses of heaven and witnesses of the earth. Now, I know in you, brethren ministers here especially, the right way to approach this would be to say it was the order of the second coming of Christ. And that's truly But the Word of God is so inspired that it will link up with any other subject in the Bible, because it's all the Word of God. Now, I want to link it tonight with something a little different. Many times we read in the New Testament, in the King James Version of John the 14th chapter, And I don't know just how many times that men and women has come to me and say, Brother Branham, what does that mean? In my Father's house is many mentions. Have you ever wondered that? In my Father's house is many mentions. That doesn't sound just intelligent, does it? In my Father's house is many mentions. Now, Moffat, I believe it was, made it more ridiculous than that. He said, in my father's apartment house is many uh, apartments. Like you were going up there to rent uh, an apartment. But both is wrong. In the original, it's in my father's kingdom is many palaces. But in the translator's days of the King James, they still had the old Bible order in the kingdoms then, as I'm going to refer to now. We notice that back in the Old Testament, that when a man had this, um, his great farm, we'd call it, maybe many hundreds of acres, and all over these acreages he had little houses, and in there lived his tenants. And uh, his tenants taken care of the place. So this was all called the house. And in the King James time of the translation of the King James Version, in the kingdom, the domain of the King of England, it was called his house, and all of the little Houses all over was called a ha- uh, mentions. So there's why you see that they translate it so the English would understand it. In my Father's house is many mentions. In other words, the Father, the King, was the Father over all that was in His domain. In my Father's house, many mentions. Now in the Old Testament way back years ago many many years when a father owned a great place he set his subjects all around and they all looked to him as a father And this man if a child would be born into his prayer into his home now when the child was born I want you Pentecostal people to pay close attention to what I'm saying. Are you others? Here's where you made a vital mistake. When this child was born into the home of this parent, certainly he was a child when he was born. But then to raise this child, the father having so much to look over He went and hired a tutor, or a raiser, a teacher. And this father so loved his child, you know, he would look over the country until he found the very best teacher he could find. He must be the type of a teacher that was well-educated and understood what he wanted, a kind man that would raise his child in the right way, because this child was to be heir of everything the father had. And this tutor raised the child. What a beautiful picture that is of God and His church. Now the tutor had to report to the father all that the child did, whether it was good or whether it was bad, the tutor had to give a correct report. And the father seemed to it that his tutor would not be a little wishy-washy sort of a guy, That is son would be doing wrong and be afraid before the father to say that his son was doing wrong. He had to be the right kind of a tutor, a real, just and honest man. He looked for that type of person to put over his child. And it's altogether a beautiful type of God our Father sending to us, the church, the tutor, the raiser, the Holy Spirit. God found the best tutor that there was in heaven to put over His church. The Holy Spirit. Not some intellectual being that's got a lot of education more than they got knowledge to know how to control it. And the church was not to be raised on intellectuals, but it was to be tutored not by denomination. But it was to be tutored by the Holy Spirit. That's God's tutor. And what do you think that that tutor would do to come before the Father and have to tell him how his children was progressing? I sometimes wonder how the Holy Spirit must feel to go in the presence of God with the character of His children today. We who call ourselves sons and daughters of God, how He must like the prophet of old blush in the presence of God, how the church has become so indignant about the things of God, how they go off on little tantrums. And don't even notice the Word of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit will tutor the children by the direction book of the Father. That's the Word. God will raise His church by the Word. And the Holy Spirit will teach the church the Word. Not the catechism, not the rules of the church. But the power of the Word of the living God, the Holy Spirit, will give that to the church. Did not our blessed Lord say, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God? That's the thing the Holy Spirit will teach. And when the Holy Spirit teaches unadulterated holiness before the Lord? How do you think the Holy Spirit feels to bring the Word before the Father that we're selfish, that we're unconcerned? We'll stay home on prayer meeting nights to watch old religious programs uncensored with dirty jokes and everything in it and calling ourselves the Church of the Living God. What do you think he thinks tonight? Now, I might hurt you, but I don't want to. A little while ago among you people, especially you women, it was wrong for you to bob your hair. The Bible teaches that it is absolutely wrong to do it. The Bible said so. And that is the Word. Now, preacher, if you don't stay with that, as God's son, what does the Holy Spirit say about you before the Father? And it was wrong for you women to wear out that manicure or whatever it is you put on your face. It was wrong for you to do it. So has your pastor or what's happened to you? The Bible said that they would heap for themselves teachers having itching ears and would be turned from the truth to fables. I wonder if it hasn't been just because of a little selfish motive to make our churches bigger or something another or some great big shot come to our church that talked to the pastor and the deacon board and the preacher didn't have the real old-fashioned experience of the living God. That the deacon board told him they would excommunicate him if he taught against such. And the church now plays the bookie boards, smokes cigarettes, run around. Women wear dresses that's scandalous in the sight of God. Do you know women if you dress yourself in a sexy way? and you go on the street with his old dirty Hollywood dresses on and you go out there and a sinner looks at you upon you to lust after you he has committed adultery with you in his heart and at the day of judgment when he asked to be brought the adultery before who's going to answer for causing him to commit adultery but the way you presented yourself to him That's right. You dress yourself in these little old tight, dirty clothes. You say, well, Brother Branham, they don't sell nothing else but them. Well, sister, they sell sewing machines yet, and they've got goods. The thing of it is you let down the bars from the old-fashioned gospel that was laid down the foundations by our Lord Jesus and the grateful gospel church has become nearly a floor show that's right you've got so much Hollywood evangelism God help us to tear that thing from the pulpit and get back to the word of God and the true baptism of the Holy Spirit we need it Oh, you might stick your little nose up after this and go out in the rain and drown you. But let me tell you something, sister. You will answer at the day of judgment as an adulteress. If that sinner has looked upon you to lust for you, though you be as pure as a lily to your husband. But if that sinner has looked after you like that Jesus said he has committed adultery with you. And if he has to answer for committing adultery, who caused it? You, the way you dress, and God help your backslidden pastor that won't tell you those things. That's right? I think that preachers has become a place that the pastoral is more of a meal ticket than it is the gospel of Christ. Now you know that, right. That's Right? Or some popularity. Brother, I never want to be popular. I say, God, make me honest is the thing I want to be. Not popular. Honest. No wonder we're accepting every little ism that comes along. Every little fantastic it moves. You got out of the Word of God? So right, you're trying to see who's got the biggest church, the best dressed crowd, the best. Holy Spirit does not feed the church as long as we are depending upon intellectuals. When we get rid of intellectual and get down to the Word of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these things will clean out. Right? No wonder divine healing can't be preached in its power like it used to be. It's because it has no foundation to lay it on. It's exactly right. No wonder. How that we are to be taught someone don't even know how to hold our peace to operate spiritual gifts in the church. I am not scolding you. I'm just preaching the Word. That's right. That's what the Bible said. Oh, what a pity. Oh, what a pity. It used to be that men and women used to pray all day. They'd go to church and preach half the night and lay on the altar the rest of the night. Find it today. And the Bible said, Only mark those who have sigh and cry for the abominations done in the city. Where would He mark in Oakland tonight, if He comes through marking? Men and women so sincere about lost souls that they cry and pray day and night for the lost of the city. Where's it at? We don't have it. What does the Holy Spirit say then when it comes before the Father? What does He say about His church, His children But now, what if the children's obedient? This little child is obedient. Then the tutor was uh, stretched out, shoulders. He walks up before the father with a big smile on his face, and he said, Sir, your child is progressing wonderful. Oh, he's just a chip off the old block. He's just like you. He acts like you. He conducts Himself like you. And if we are sons and daughters of God, we should conduct ourselves as children of God. Not like the world. Not act like the movie stars. We're not movie stars. We are sons and daughters of God a million miles beyond them. you got something that they know nothing about unless they've experienced the same thing. They're children of God how that we should be, then if the Father would bring the message and say, Your child is progressing wonderfully. Then when it got to a certain age, there was a great feast made, or a great celebration. The Father had taken his son, which had been his son since birth. Now, if the son had not been a good child, it would never have any inheritance. That's right, it just went on as a son. But the father couldn't trust the child. He had no inheritance. And I think that's just about where our churches are getting. We're children of God, but we're losing our inheritance by our conduct. The things that we do and the things that we permit to be done, and the way that we live and act and so forth, we're living millions of miles below our privilege. And then someone can see the work of God being done, and Doctor So, so, uh, Doctor Jones says it's it's this, and the other doctor says it's this, and we believe it instead of looking into the Word. The Word verifies. Watch, watch sheep food comes out of the Word. Now, I want you to notice when the child was a fine, a uh, gentleman, then the father taken and had a celebration. And he took the child out into a public place. There he set the child up in the public place, and they had a ceremony. And the father adopted the child into his own family. Galatians 1 tells us we were predestinated to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ, predestinated of God. Though many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen was chosen at the beginning. Now. But we were predestinated to the adoption of the children of God by Jesus Christ. In other words, to you Bible scholars, what I'm trying to say is a placing of a son. The son was positionally placed. And today, the church has gone on for year after year after year. And when we see God call a man out, one of his sons, and positionally places him and makes him his son and recognizes it before the public, then we turn that son down and say he's a divine healer or a holy roller. Don't you see where the church, oh, I don't know what the remedy is. I don't know how it'll ever get back to its place. But that's the way our attitudes are towards that person. If the ministry is of God, God will vindicate that ministry. If it isn't of God, then God will have nothing to do with it. But now, when this son, they dressed this son, and they put him on a nice robe, and they set him up in a public place where everybody could see him, and the father had a ceremony of adoption, and he placed the son, or adopted him, into his family. Then that son was, had he was a full-fledged son, his name was just as good on a check as his father's was. And brethren, that's what's the matter with the church today. The church ought to be standing on its feet with all the great powers of God flowing out of it. It should be the example and the drawing card of the world. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And today, we say, well, oh, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Presbyterian. What is that but children of God? But we draw them lines, and we get our little denominations, and we just sit down and are satisfied. Oh, we must be up and at the Father's business. You've got to be, my brother. And now, God never asked any man to do anything that he didn't do himself. When he pronounced death upon the sinner at the day of the judgment in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve had eaten, done wrong... Man was made in the image of God, and then God came down and Christ made image of man to die the death of the penalty he put on the man. And here on Mount Transfiguration, he had set up Jesus to show who he was. Now notice, Peter got all excited when they saw the glory of God. And many times we get all excited. And Peter said, It's good to be here. There's Moses and there's Elijah. Let us build three tabernacles here. We'll build one for those who want to keep the law, for Moses. And we'll make a tabernacle here for Moses. And all that wants to keep the law in the Sabbath days and so forth, we'll make that one denomination. And all now, Moses represented the law of God. And by the law, no man is saved. No flesh can be saved by keeping the law. The law was only a schoolmaster. The law didn't have any remedy. The law was the the prison house. You would have never known sin if it hadn't been by the law. The law only pointed it out. The law was God's policeman that put you in jail. But it had no remedy to bring you out. Law does not bring you out. Now. Elijah represented God's justice. He was a line of God's justice. Now we see him when he went up on a hill with his anointing, and the king said, There sets that old crank up there. Go up and bring him back to me. And fifty soldiers went up of the selected of the army, and old Elijah raised up and said, If I be the man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume you. Down come the fire and consumed him. The king said, There's is a storm passing by, I suppose. That just happened. So we'll send another fifty. And Elijah raised up and said, If I be a man of God, let fire come from heaven and consume you. And another fifty went. The king kind of got weary about sending fifties. For he was the sternness of God's justice. Now no man can be saved by the law. And we know, brother, who would plead for God's justice, I wouldn't want his justice, neither do I try to catch him by the law. I want his mercy. Not his justice, not his law, but his mercy. So there was Moses, the law of God. There was Elijah, the justice of God. Oh, what a dark picture. But let us look over here, God had took His own Son before the witnesses of heaven, before the witnesses of earth as a confirmation. Moses and the law had passed away, and we looked this way, and He said, this is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. What did He represent? The love of God, not the justice. Neither did He represent the law, but He represented the love of God. And, brethren, we have drawn little circles of laws and different things, and we're still never come to the real kernel. It's Jesus Christ, the love of God, that God wants us to see. What a pity. Love is the greatest, most powerful weapon that this world has ever seen or known of. It's a dying for love. The church is perishing for love the love of God's waters of grace to flow one to another when confidence is restored, when justice is restored between us, the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the denomination. Something sounded wrong there, didn't it? The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. God's love to us. I tell you, Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its Savior, it is henceforth good for nothing but to be trod under the feet of man. And I say tonight, brethren, that the church, when it lost its love, it lost its Savior. And now we become a laughing block. No matter how many gifts we got, how many miracles we can perform, how many anything else First Corinthians tells us, That though I speak with tongue of men and angels, I can move mountains with faith. I'll give all my goods to the poor. And if I haven't got love, I am nothing. You lose the salt when you lose the love. And salt is a savior if it contacts. There's only one thing left for the world, the church to do. That's to be salty. And God will make the world thirsty like it. That's right. They'll thirst to be like you if you'll just be salty. I see now that one of the greatest things the church needs in closing is this. is a display of the real love of God. Men and women want to see men and women who is Christians. Someone who stands gallant. Who really loves with a godly love. You can feel it if it's godly love. Paul Rader, who died down here not long ago, a bosom friend. One day he said he was talking to his wife, and they'd had some kind of a little family spat before they left the room. And Paul said when he left he always kissed his wife goodbye and she was standing at the door with her head down. Said he just kissed her a little peck on the side of the jaw and went out to the gate and he'd always turned back and waved goodbye at her. Said she would stand at the door with her head down. And he said, Goodbye, and she said, Bye. Said he went on down the street, and he began to get under condemnation. He said, look, what if she would die today before I get back? What if I would be killed and I'd leave her in that condition? He said, I'm going right back and make it right. Right up the street, he went into the gate, jerked open the door and she was standing behind the door weeping. Said he just grabbed her in his arms and kissed her, went back out to the gate again turned around and said goodbye, and she said goodbye. He said, You might ask me what was the difference. She waved goodbye the first time, and she waved goodbye the second time. Said, But the second time had a feeling in it, and that's what made the difference. And brother, what we need today is not a put-on love. We need a love that's got a feeling in it, that the world will know that we love the Lord Jesus. Let us pray now as we bow our heads. O God, them words ring in my ears and heart, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. And here's his words, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And again he said, A little while, and the world will see me no more. Yet ye shall see me, for I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. And the works that I do shall you do also. And we find that the works that you did then was what the Father showed you to do according to the Scriptures that you have written for us. And I pray thee tonight, Holy Spirit, to speak to every heart ear in a very definite way. Granted, and may those who have just been lukewarm church members or have never yet confessed Christ as Savior, may they do it this hour. And while we have our heads bowed, I'd like to ask the solemn question, and I want it from the very depths of your heart. I want to know. Now, be honest. It's the Holy Spirit standing with you and by you. Do you want to really become the type of Christian that I've been speaking of? A real, loving, God-fearing, sainted man or woman, boy or girl? While you're praying with your heads bound, I wonder if you'd do so much as this. It's just to raise your hand and say, Brother Branham, I'll raise my hand to Almighty God and say, Be merciful to me. That's the kind of Christian I've always wanted to be. Help me. Bless your hearts, oh my, all over the buildings, everywhere. That's God being merciful. That's wonderful. Now you can be. You can be right now. Just surrender your will to His, and you just walk as a tutor. The Holy Spirit leads you, and He'll lead you to all truth and light. Now, while we're still with our heads bowed, let us pray. Blessed Savior, the Savior of mankind, as we have been warned today by the rocking of an earthquake—and you said there would be earthquakes in diverse places, the sea roar in man's heart, failing for fear, perplexed the time, distressed between the nations. But you said the branch of the Lord that has escaped in that day will be wonderful. Oh God, we want to be counted worthy to be those who will escape the judgments that's fixing to fall. Let us make haste tonight, Father, to the ark of safety of the Lord Jesus. For in the ark is the only grounds that man can worship God under the shed blood. And we pray tonight that all these hands that went up, that you will receive them into your kingdom just now. What did they do when they raised their hands? They broke every scientific law of gravitation. They could not raise their hand; Their hands were made to hang down. But there was a spirit in them. A supernatural being that made a decision, that raised her hands, and said, By that remember me, O Lord? Could you pass them? No, Lord. No, you would never pass a sincere heart. For thou hast said in thy word, No man can come to me except my Father draws him. So we know that the Father is here. And He's drawing, and you said, All that comes, I'll give Him everlasting life and will raise Him up at the last day. Christ confirmed this with the Holy Spirit in every heart tonight that raised their hands. And may they have that peace and joy that passes all understanding and live a real life of example. And may you take these little children who has been wandering from church to church and from place to place and positionally place them by the Holy Spirit tonight in their position in Christ Jesus. Then come and receive us, Lord, when our work is over, while we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thou me come to thee. O Let it soak way in now. Just speak to him. Thou one please, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou be. I want to ask you a question right here where we're at. Be honest. Don't you feel just kind of scoured out and made different? Do you do it? Raise your hand. just feels like the Holy Spirit has just cleansed our hearts when the Word just cleanses us from all. This is the washing of the water of separation by the Word. The Word washes us and cleanses us and sanctifies them, Father, through the truth. He said, "Thy word is the truth." Is that right? And we are washed of the waters of separation from our sins, to by the word of God. The word separates us and sets us in place. How wonderful! Now, did you get out? What? See, one to hundred. All right. We are going to pray for the sick now. Now I have spoken at length. Oh my! I am sorry that I was late. But will you just bear with me about 20 minutes? Will you do it? Thank you very much, and God bless you. Now, listen, friend. There's one thing to say something. There's one thing to preach something. There's one thing to talk about something. There's another thing to do something. That's right. Now, we are representing here tonight, as God's representatives, Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of the living God. The Bible said that he is not dead. Do you believe he's living? Yes. Does the Bible say in Hebrews thirteen eight that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and will be forever? Does the Bible yes. say? It? Now, if the earthquakes are rocking, the UN can have no more authority upon Israel, seems like, that they just simply everything. And did you know that's a fulfilling of a Bible prophecy? There's Ishmael and Isaac. Everything is set right in order. Now, all the religions is coming to their end time. Now, are we wrong, we Christians? Could it be possible that we're wrong? It's impossible for us to be wrong. Oh, every founder. Mohammed is dead and in the grave. Buddha is dead and in the grave. The founder of every other religion is dead and in the grave so far as I know. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, raised again and is alive and with us forever. Now, how we should be thankful for this. Now, He never told us that He would leave us, but He said, I'll be with you. Even in you to the end of the age. The world's never come to its end yet. So then He's with us. How is He with us? In the form of the Holy Spirit. Is that what He's saying? i go, but I'll come again. I'll be with you and in you. I'll pray the Father. That's Jesus talking. He'll send you another, hol- uh, another Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, which was God that was in Him. And I will come and we'll make our abode with you and be in you to the end of the world. The things that I do shall you also... And we find in the Bible that He said He did nothing until the Father showed Him first. Is that right? St. John five nineteen. 19, as our lessons has been leading us. Then, if He saw it by vision, and then He comes tonight and shows to you that He is alive, and you're in the building, will you all accept Him and be happy and thankful and know that you're anchored in Jesus? Now remember, I cannot heal. There's not a man on earth that can heal. Healing goes to God alone. Healing is creation. Healing is to knit a bone together. A doctor can set it, but not knit it. A doctor can remove appendix, but not heal it. He can move an obstruction, but not heal a place that he cut. He doesn't claim to. He's just a man like you and I. But he's trained and skilled to know how to set it, how to operate, but God does the healing. See, Psalms 103.3 said, I'm the Lord who heals all your diseases. Not one, but all. All healing comes from God. All healing is divine healing. That's right. No hospitals, no doctors. They're God's aids to us, just like automobiles and so forth, but God is the healer. Now, we just, and for myself, I'm just a minister who prays for the sick, but God has set in the church, first, missionaries, our apostles, both the same, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, God with predestinating before knowledge Set in the church these orders, they are of God. God speaks then and vindicates and proves Himself by the preachers preaching the word, by the prophets prophesying, by the seers and so forth that's in the church that God has placed by the evangelist pastors all together to feed and to take care of His sheep. But every... all the works of salvation, all the works of redemption has been absolutely completed in the vicarious suffering of the Lord Jesus at Calvary and His triumph, resurrection, and Easter. That's right. It's a finished work. The only thing you do is look and live. It's all finished. Now, we're going to call some of the people to the prayer line and pray for them. You say what? C? C? All right. Prayer card C they gave out this afternoon. Prayer card C. Let's start from number one and start lining up a few. Number one, who has prayer cards? See number one. Would you raise your hand? All right, sir, come over here. Number two, would you raise your hand? Right quickly, if you raise your hand, I can see who you are then. The the lady? All right. Number three? All right, lady. Number four? All right, lady. Number five? All right. Number six? That's good. That's the way to keep it going. Number six, raise your hand. Look, it might be somebody deaf or dumb or can't. Maybe, look, it is a wheelchair sitting. over I watch the lady there. Your prayer card, lady? You have? All right. Number six, who has prayer card number? You, sir, in the balcony. I didn't see you. Number seven, would you raise your hand? Prayer card number seven. All right, the colored lady. Number eight. Eight, all right. Number nine. Nine, ten. 10, you have 10, lady, 10, all right, Eleven. 11, 12, 13, not here, all right, 14, not here, 15, not here, well, okay. Well, we'll stop then. Just All right. All right. We'll just... We'll pray now. Let us pray just a moment. Now, gracious God of heaven, shed forth thy blessings. The people are waiting. I have preached your word. My word is no good. Thy word is eternal. And I pray, Father, that you will confirm your word now. You said preach the word. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And blessed Savior, I pray in Christ's name that you will grant these blessings tonight to each and every one of us. That we will see the lovely resurrected Lord still alive when the earthquakes are shaking, confirming his word. As the nations are breaking, confirming his word. Man's heart failing, more with heart attacks than ever was known in all the world. His word confirmed. Man's heart, not women, man's heart's failing. Fear, perplexed of time, distress between the nation, and the Lord Jesus and His blessed power standing in our midst confirming His Word. O oh God, we rest assured on these things. Now grant these blessings according to Your Word, that Your Word might be fulfilled. We ask that in Christ's name, and as Your humble servant, I submit myself to the Holy Spirit, that He will help me in this hour, and help the people. Amen. Um, Mr. Argenbright uh, said to me that number seven was already healed while I was preaching. Praise the Lord. That's good. That's the original way. I wish Tommy Osborne if he'd have come... I, yeah, that's, that's his way of doing it. Preaching the Word. and That's the way to do it. Preaching the Word and they get healed by preaching. God sent His Word and what did He do? Healing. That's right. That's good. All right. Now... Now, here is a position that now either I have told you something that isn't right or I have told you the truth. Now, it has to be one or the other. It has to be either the truth or it is not the truth. So I am praying with all my heart that God will confirm His Word. And we'll do the exceeding abundant for you. Now, how many out there does not have a prayer card and you want the Lord Jesus to heal you? Anywhere in the building. Now, see, all you people, that's why we have to give prayer cards. Everybody wants to be prayed for. and We have to... Somebody has to make a selection who comes up. We just give our cards to anybody that wants them. Then we just start from somewhere. Tomorrow night we may start somewhere else and some we don't know just anywhere wherever it falls on my mind the boy don't know he mixes the cards up together and just gives you whatever you want see so you, you just take your card you might have one this back over here and that and up there you see how they're called and that doesn't do it the thing is the Holy Spirit is just as great there he's omnipresent do you believe that? it's the only person in the whole heavens and earth that can be omnipresent is God The devil isn't omnipresent, just God alone. And now, the Bible said that he's a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. How many of you Christians know that? Hebrew letters said that Jesus Christ is a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. A little woman touched his garment and said a while ago, went and sat down. And he recognized that somebody had touched him, he got weak. And he went, if you want to know about weakness, read the 11th chapter of Daniel when you go home tonight. Or over anywhere in the Bible, the virtue of the pool and so forth. And Jesus said, I got weak virtue, strength went from me. And he looked around over the audience, everybody denying it. And finally he found the woman, and he said, thy faith has saved thee. Knew she had a blood issue, and her faith touched him. And not her finger, her faith touched thee. Thy fingers touched, no, thy faith has saved thee. See? Thy faith has saved thee. Now, if Christ is raised from the dead and a high priest that can still be touched for the feeling of our infirmities, you look to the high priest and pray and see what he tells you. Just do that once and find out. You without prayer cards, it's not going to be called. You just look that way and believe with all your heart and see what the Lord Jesus will do for you. All right, is this the patient? Be real reverent as we try our best now to just submit myself to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And don't move around. If you'll just hold your place just for a few minutes, Mr. Oregon right now will be watching. It's in a a different world. It's in another dimension. And it's going out to see visions. And anyone knows what effect that has. Just be real reverent. Keep quiet. Just look and live. Believe with all your heart and see what the Holy Spirit will say. Now, isn't this a wonderful time? Now, it's either the truth or it isn't the truth. If Christ isn't the same, then that Bible's wrong and it's all wrong. But if it is, we ought to die by it. It's right. It's truth. Oh, America, America, wake quickly. Now, there was a Jew... One time went and got another Jew, and it, one that went was named Philip, went and found Nathaniel under a tree praying, brought him back in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus told him he was a believer. And he said, How did you know me, Rabbi? Said, Before Philip called you, I saw you when you were under the tree. How many knows that's true, St. John 1? How did he see him 30 miles around the mountain? But he had God in him. He saw a vision. You believe that? The woman, so forth, he saw what the Father showed him. And this man noted it was the spirit of the Messiah. Would you believe the same thing? The woman that he told at the well, she had five husbands. She said, now we know when the Messiah cometh, he'll do these things. But who are you? He said, I'm he that speaks to you. She thought he was a prophet. If that was the sign of the Messiah then, it's the sign of Messiah today if he is the same Messiah. That's right. Now here's... This man standing here? He's standing here in his throat praying. I never seen the man. Don't know him. We're strangers to each other. All right. If we are strangers to each other, just two men met here on earth for the first time. Then if our blessed Lord will come and anoint me with his spirit and will say to you, Something, well, he, when Peter come to him, he know Peter's name. And when others, he knowed others' name, when the Father revealed it. And if he would, or he knowed what the people had need of what they were praying for, as the Father showed him. Well, now, if you will come tell me something that you know that I don't know nothing about, would you believe that it was him? You know it would have to be Supernatural. But then it's your attitude towards what it is. Now, you know that I've never seen you and know nothing of you. This is our first time ever meeting. Somebody, either Leo, Gene, Billy, or somebody, give you a prayer card. And here you are. You just called upon the platform. That's all. I believe now. In Christ's name, I take every spirit in here under my control. For the glory of God. Now, the angel that you see on the picture... Is here at the platform now. Now, if that isn't the truth, it'll declare not to be the truth. If it is the truth, it'll declare to be the truth. i just speak with the man as our Lord did with the apostles when they, he met them and with the woman. A man, it's seemingly that he is going from me if the audience still picks up my voice. And I see the man all disturbed about something. He's extremely nervous, but his nervousness is a weary that he's having. And that is because of a, oh, it's shattered, it's a cancer. That's right, it's a cancer. And that cancer is on your left shoulder. That's right you believe me to be his prophet Amen. Right. then you're in the presence not of your brother but you're in the presence of him mr. Phillips do you believe that Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. mr. Ollie Phillips you, that's, that's right. right that's your name that's right you believe now Then come and let us pray. Blessed Blessed Heavenly Father, in the presence of the great Holy Spirit, we bow our heads as believing children and ask that this our brother's life be spared and he be made well for the glory of Almighty God. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Blessings on you, brother. Go believing now and be made well. If thou canst believe, how do you do, lady? I suppose this is our first time ever meeting in life. It's our first time. But do you believe that you're in His presence? I do. You're aware that something is going on since you moved up here. If the audience can see the expression on the face of the woman. See? Thank you, Jesus. it It is the Holy Spirit and his blessings. Now, I have no idea what you're here for. After I have never seen you and know nothing of you, then it would take God's Holy Spirit to reveal to me. And now, if He would say to you, like He said to the woman at the well, where your trouble is, would you believe it? All right, may he grant it. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. I see you're nervous, and then you got a heart trouble that you're praying that for. Right. Exactly right. That's right. Now, if that's right, raise up your hand. Amen. Now you see. Now he told her ever what it was. Yes. Now that wasn't my voice. It might have been my voice, but it wasn't me using it because I don't know how to use it. It's him. It's just submitted to him. See? Now, more you talk to the woman, more he would tell. Let's talk to the woman just a minute. Now I don't know what he told you, but let's see now if he would say something. Yes, it is your heart trouble. That's right. Nervous heart fluttering, especially when you lay down. Yes, that's right. It's a nervous heart. Gas backs around it, and stops it off, and that's you try. Right. Right. And you are—you're not from around here, I don't believe. No, I'm not. You're from way away from here, yes, sir. and your husband's a minister. Yes, sir. And that is from a country where it's uh, real cold. That's right. It's—you uh, some connection? I see Ernest Fanler. You are from Alaska, Fairbanks, Alaska. That's exactly right. All right? You believe on the Lord Jesus? Then go, your disease has left you, and your faith has made you whole. God bless you. How do you do, lady? You and I are strangers to each other. And here is a picture of St. John 4. It's a man and a woman. And the woman that came to our blessed Savior, she was a Samaritan, and he was a Jew. And when he told her to bring him a drink, she said, it's not customary for you Jews to ask us Samaritans such. We have no dealings one with another. Now There was a segregation, like it is down in the Southlands, between the white and colored. But Jesus let them know right quick, there's no difference, we're all Adam's race. But the same picture, as it were, now you're here for help. And if God will tell me what your trouble is, will you believe on him with all your heart? Will the audience do the same? The lady has a tumor, and she wants me to pray for You want me to tell you where that's at? It's on the breast. And it's on your right breast. That's right. Now go and believe, and it'll leave you. Do you believe? And go and be healed. In Christ's name, I want to lay my hands upon you. Amen. God bless you, Come, my sister. You believe that God would heal the scientist' trouble that you have, lady, sitting down on the front seat? You are healed. Your faith has made it. Oh, it's been bothering you for a long time. Now, you know you feel different right now. It's gone from you. Just keep believing it won't return if you'll believe. Uh, we are strangers to each other, I suppose. We do not know each other, but this is probably our first time ever meeting in life. But our blessed Lord Jesus knows you. What do you think happened to that woman? What did she do? The lady's just sitting there, just a woman walked in the meeting, and the blessed Holy Spirit, she just touched the high priest. He just spoke back, and I couldn't help it. I turned and seen that light hanging over the woman. A vision broke, and I spoke what he said, that did it. She touched something. Not me, did she? She's too far from me to touch me. But she touched the supernatural, the blessed Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, His Son. And if you will just believe the same way, you can do the same thing. You believing? You are here for me to pray for you for a condition of the stomach, and you've had cancer, and the cancer in the stomach, and you've had an operation, and part of the stomach and the intestinal tract has been removed, and the thing has come back again, and you're coming for me to pray. And you're afraid you're going to have to have another operation yes. for this cause. And your husband needs prayer. Yes. He has veins, trouble in his legs, varicose veins. That's true. Yes. That's thus saith the Lord. Amen. Now, you in his presence, and you've had an up and down life too, as I noticed it past. You've never come to the spot where you could feel exactly where you were satisfied with your experience with Christ. I'm not reading your mind, but that's true. And that's why you're here tonight. Now will you accept Him in His fullness and believe Him with all your heart while you're in His presence? You will? Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, come to this penitent soul tonight and give unto her the deep desires of her life and may she be healed by Thy power. And fill with thy spirit, I ask that in Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you, sister. Be upon you. Go and live now. God be with you. If thou canst believe all things are possible. The man sitting right back here looking at me, he has been suffering from an operation. Sitting right here. You are a stranger to me. Do you have a prayer card? You don't? All right, stand up to your feet just a moment. No, the man behind you, sir, that's the angel of the light, is on him. You just come in and sit down. And you've had an operation, and you've got ill effects of that operation. It doesn't heal up, right? You have like pus around it that it won't heal. That's right, isn't it? And you have come tonight that you would accept Christ for your healer. If that's right, wave your hand. Now go, and your faith makes you whole. God bless you. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus? Just look and live. Now, lady, we are strange to each other, I suppose. We've never met in life. But the Lord Jesus knows the both of us. And if the Lord Jesus in his blessed resurrection will let me know what you're asking him for, Will you receive me as his servant? Then his servant would be truthful. And then if I am truthful, God will speak back that it is the truth. That's right. That would be a vindication that Christ has raised from the dead. You're suffering. I see you moving from a stable. You have a stomach trouble. That bothers you. Then you also have a female trouble that causes a drainage, like, and that is a, some sort of an abscess or something inside. Then you also have an examination of little cysts, and they're on your right breast. Three of them on your right breast. That's right. Correctly. Then go on your road believing and receive your healing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. How do you do, sir? I suppose that we are strangers to each other. The Lord Jesus knows us both. And if the Heavenly Father, who knows you and He knows me, and if He will help us, To become his children in a submitted way that he can use both of us now. We are both man and and life is dear to both of us. And if I could in any way do something to help you, sir, I would do it. But I, I can't do it being just a man. But he can as God. Then as I being your brother and he will reveal to me what you're asking him for. Then will you receive it? Yes, sir. will. Now there is a man praying that appears here at the platform that looks something like you. A man sitting right there. He just raised his head from prayer. Yes, you just straightened up. Dark hair. You're suffering with a nervous condition and a throat trouble. Right. That is right. And you're a minister of Correct. the gospel. Correct. That's right. You're not from this city. No, sir. You're from a place called Live Oak, correct. California. Correct. And you're A.C. it. That's correct. correct. Go on your road, brother, and be made well in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you, my brother. Have faith in God. You're a minister, too. That's exactly right. And you're not from this country. You're from another state, Oregon, that's correct. And you have lost your, one of your senses, which is smelling, that is correct. And your wife there... With you, she has trouble with her hip. That's correct. And your boy back there has gland trouble. And you were praying because this is the emergency. You got to leave after tonight. That's correct. That's thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. Go and be made well in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you believe, sister? Come here. Blessed Jesus, touch the woman and make her well. Amen. If thou canst believe, you believe for the child. You believe the Lord Jesus take the trouble from its back, you make it well. Do you believe it? You get well, sweetheart. Come here in just a moment. Oh, blessed Father, in the name of Thy child, the Lord Jesus. We pray that you'll heal the little girl and make her well. Amen. God bless you, honey. Don't doubt. Go on your road rejoicing and be made well. God bless you, sir. What do you think sitting there on the end of the seat, sir? Suffering with Katar. You believe Christ will make you well? All right. If you believe it, you can have it. That scared you. You didn't know you had that much faith. Faith is an unconscious thing. Just have faith and believe. If thou canst believe, your wife's deaf and you want her prayed for too. Isn't that right? Certainly it is. What'd you think, lady, with a red hat on when you raised around? Would you like to get over that stomach and gallbladder trouble? You would. That's what you had. If you believe, you can be made well, too. Just accept it and say, Lord Jesus, I believe. Do you believe, Sister too Blessed Holy Spirit, bless her, I pray, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Have faith now. Don't doubt. Lady, There's many out there suffering with your trouble, heart trouble. And do you believe that the Lord Jesus will make you well? Let me show you something. All that has heart trouble, raise up your hand out there. Raise up your hands. Go ahead, I want to show you something. See there? However you go to divine which one is. See? It's just a massive pull now, you see? Just a constant. The Holy Spirit is here moving. That's the reason it's hard to catch one, you see? It's because it's the Spirit of God pulling so hard. But if every one of you will believe when we pray for this woman, every one of you will be healed. You believe it? Let's pray. Oh, blessed Jesus, we now condemn the devil because that he's nothing but a bluff and we want receiving. And we charge him in Jesus Christ's name that he leave every person in here suffering like this woman and hurt also. May he leave her. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer, of faith shall save the sick. God shall raise them up. A lady's trouble, female. And now that the anointing has struck the whole building, it's just hard for me to see out there. But there's many out there suffering with the same thing. Ladies with ladies' troubles, raise up your hands out through the audience balconies and everywhere. See? If you can believe, each one of you will be made well. Do you believe? Let's bow our heads. Bring the other patient. Blessed Heavenly Father, I pray that you will bless this dear woman and all those who are out there. May they be perfectly made well, as I charge the devil through Jesus Christ's name to leave this people. Amen. God bless you, sister. Go believing. Bring the baby. Oh, it's crossed. Yes. Bring it us. My blessed Redeemer, as this little mother comes bringing her darling, and it looks up with its little eyes crossed, thou art God and can heal. Now the child is too young to have faith. It doesn't just know what faith is. But Lord, we as your servants... Believe for the child. And I charge this evil thing that's crossed the eyes of this little baby to leave the child. Come out from it. I adjure thee by Jesus the living Christ that you leave the child. And I ask that these eyes be uncrossed in Christ's name. I want every head bowed just a moment. i look at the baby first. Now you say, why did you pray for that baby different you did from the adults? They can have their own faith. This is a baby. I want to look at its eyes. Look this way, sweetheart. Look this t- follow my finger like this over here. Look over this way. Now look back this way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The little baby's perfectly normal and well. Oh, his little eyes has been uncrossed. Let me show you. Look up this way, honey. Now follow my finger. Look at my finger. Right here. Look at my finger. Look this way. Follow my finger. Now look back this way. Can you see it? It's perfectly... Not Look up towards them lights there, honey. Look up towards those lights there. The baby is perfectly normal and its eyes are uncrossed. Oh, bless the Lord, sister. Your darling is yours now for good with good straight eyes. Does that remind you of Africa, the little cross-eyed baby? Oh, isn't the Lord Jesus graceful and blessed? Now, do you believe with all your heart that he's here and raised from the dead? Now put your hands over on each other for a congregational prayer and each one of you will be healed. Don't doubt. Have faith. That's right. Now you repeat this prayer as I pray it. You repeat it. Oh God, I believe in God Almighty, Creator of heavens and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, His Son, has raised Him from the dead, and He is alive forevermore. I now confess all my sins and ask forgiveness, and in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I now accept my healing. In the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Now, you just keep real quiet now. Just set in with God. Just keep thinking the goodness of God coming right into you. God projecting His love and power and healing right in you. Believe it. Now, I'm going to pray for you. Now, there's only one thing to keep you from being normal and well. That's that little dark shadow hanging in the building. That's unbelief. If that can ever leave, the whole thing's settled. What more could God do? Here's His Word. Here's His Spirit. I have spoke the truth. He's confirmed it tens of thousands of times without one error. He's here. He makes the blind to see, the lame to walk, the cross-eyes to be straight. He never fails. He can't fail. There's one thing God cannot do that's fail. He cannot fail. So he's here, and I'm going to pray that God will make this unbelief leave the building and every one of you can rise in Christ's name and be healed. Oh God, they have, their words are still moving through the air. If there was some kind of a screen could pick it up, and there is, it's a great screen of God's Holy Spirit, and you hear their confession, and now the devil has trying to hold these people, and I Take the authority of representing my blessed Lord, who raised from the dead and is here tonight. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I charge every doubt to leave this room in Jesus' name. And I pray that God Almighty will rush the faith into the people's hearts that with one accord this entire group of people may be healed instantly right now. In Jesus Christ's name may it be so. Amen. That's it. Stand to your feet and be made well in Christ Jesus' name.